Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward. And God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that. Follow the instructions and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. Such an awesome presence of God in this place today. I mean, it's just all day. Amen. Never take that for granted, guys. Hallelujah. I'm just ready for the word today. Ready for the word today? Our hearts are ready to receive. While you're standing, I need you to go to two places with me today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is going to be our text where I'm going to do some teaching out of. And Deuteronomy uh, at the end, hopefully I'll get to Deuteronomy 6. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible. Put a bookmark there or mark on your phone, however you do it. And go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 toward the end of the Bible. And we are in this series called The Paradoxes of God. I want to remind you that Wednesday night, I'm going to be talking about the end times. And we're going to begin talking about where are we on God's history timeline, according to the Bible. So you don't want to miss that. You want to be here Wednesday at 7. Uh, but today, we're continuing this, this discipleship theory, um, series on how to live for God. So it's more of teaching than preaching. Once you become a Christian, and you say yes to God. He comes into your life. He forgives you of your sins. You're on your way to heaven, but then you got to live life. How many know you got to live life? And so you got to learn how to deal with things and how to, how to treat people and live your life and avoid temptation and overcome temptation. And money is a big thing. Money is a big thing that Jesus talked a lot about. And so here in 1 Timothy, Paul helps us as we talk about these paradoxes. Jesus kind of redefines some things. Jesus redefined success. He redefined how to your identity. He redefined that your possessions don't define you. He, he redefined a lot of things, uh, and, and even including money. And so here we're going to talk about it. First Timothy chapter six, verse three says, "If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words which come envy and strife and reveling and evil suspicion. How many ever talked to somebody all they want to do is argue? Turn everything into an argument. Man, isn't it nice out? No, it's March. It's supposed to be. I mean, they just want to argue. I'm like, whoa. Okay, he says that don't, don't hang around people like that. Verse 5, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, which means they once had the truth, but it's been stolen from them. Who Listen to this. Who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. What does that mean? That means there are going to be people telling you that you need to be a Christian just so you can get rich and wealthy. That's what he said. They mistake the reason for being a Christian as getting wealth they actually believe that paul said turn away from them verse six now living godly with contentment is great gain somebody say great gain that's great gain talk about the getting them gains on this week he's talking about great gain is when you're able to live for god and be content with yourself paul said if you can get to that level man you are great gain you are doing it man it's good so he says for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. All these babies around, there's one being passed around today. Little Theo, bless his little heart. He's got a sweet little outfit on right now, but he came born with no outfit on. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we need to sometimes remember that Paul is saying, listen, you came naked into this world, and guess what? You ain't taking nothing with you. Billy Graham said he's never seen a U-Haul following behind a hearse. 
Think about it. Verse 9. But those who desire to be rich, all they want to do is talk about money, money, money. Listen, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harmful lusts which drown men in destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Wow. For which some have strayed from their faith in greediness. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Can I just explain that to you? They pierce themselves through because they got their hopes up thinking that the only that they're going to be rich or wealthy and it didn't happen. And then so they pierce themselves through and they ended up being sorrowful and they leave the Lord over this thing of greed and money. Man, you guys getting this? Then he says in verse 11, but you at River of Life 2019, this is you. You, O man or woman of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and you have confessed the good confession. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this world not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly what? What's that word? Oh, he gives us all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. What was committed to your trust. Everybody say trust. That's important. Avoiding the profane and idle babbling, the contradictions of what people falsely call knowledge. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is Better to Give Than to Receive because that's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 20. So tell a couple people it's better to give than to receive. Just look at them and say, okay, amen, amen. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, and I wanted to title this message this right here because um, I want to ask you something. Do you really think it's better to give than it is to receive? Think of that. I, w- I want to ask you that. I know we're in church, and the right answer is yes. But I want to ask you: if you weren't in church, I want you to really think about that. If somebody gave you a million dollars and then said, "Well, the Bible says it's more more blessed to give than it is to receive," would you give it away? What? Someone say not all of it? Or you might think, well, if I have a million dollars to give, then I must have more than a million dollars, so I will give you the million. No, 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 no. If you were what you have right now, and someone gave you a million dollars, would you keep it or would you give it away? Think about it. The scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But we don't, if we're honest, we really kind of struggle with that. I don't know if that's right. I'd really like a million dollars right now. And so we, we kind of struggle. Why, why, do we, why do we struggle with that? How come we don't agree with Jesus 100% on this one topic? When, because, and this is why, because the way we look at money. It's the way we look at money. It's the way we look at our finances. And, and, and so that's, I wanted, but if you got the real, the right mindset that I'm going to teach us today, if you can really believe God that he is your source and all of that, then you'll be able to give And really get a blessing when you give. Because it is a blessing to give. I've learned, man, I've done some, I've been able to do some things and help a lot of people. And I remember my first time going to Honduras. And man, I felt like, you ever see that scene from Iron Man? When he uh, shoots that rocket out of his hand and he blows that missile up and he walks back. And then it blows up behind him. Okay, anyway. I remember the first time we left out of uh, Honduras, we preached to a thousand students in the high school. Remember that? Alyssa was there. We were there preaching, and, and I remember, man, they gave their hearts to Jesus. We gave an altar call. Remember that, Amber? They gave their life to God. A thousand high school students. I said, how many of you want to live for Jesus? And Julio was, I'm saying the same thing only in Spanish. And I said, look, and they lifted their hands, and man, they gave their hearts to Jesus. And I said, stand if you want to serve Jesus. And them high schoolers stood. I saw first one stood and then sat back down. 
And I was like, man, you, if you want Jesus, you can't be ashamed. You need to go after God, man. And, man, they were standing. Then they were grabbing people. Stand up. They were like, I was like, well, man, God began to move. And by the end of that, everybody was standing up. I'm telling you, we walked away from that. We were tired. And people were working us to death. It was 150 degrees. And we're, we're going from church to church and school to school and getting on the bus, going to this school, doing puppet shows, going to this school, driving all over. But I tell you what, man, we were so on the, on the inside. We were so strong so blessed, so just feeling so good. Why? Because we were giving the way God said to give, and it really was more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? Let me tell you what's going on here in this story, in, in, this, in this chapter. The Apostle Paul is trying to give us the correct perspectives on money. So I want to I give you to them real quick. They're not on the screen. Just remember it. Number one, in verse 17, he says, I want to remind you that God is your source. God is your source. Not, not our job. Our job is a resource. God is the source of our income. Come on, come on, come on. You got to believe that. You got to come to the place where you believe that. Look what he said in verse 17. He says, and then he, he says, tell those that are rich. And everybody's here is like, that ain't me. It is you. Everybody at the sound of my voice, whether you're even listening to this podcast, you are rich. I can guarantee you. I can take you over to some places, some places here in America, some places in Michigan, and show you, you are, you are indeed rich. But he says to the, why does he tell the people that are rich? First, he says, don't put your, your hope in money, which is uncertain. Look what he calls money. Money is uncertain. How many has found that out? Man, you'd be so happy making money. You finally get that job. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I voted on a route and, uh, or I, wanted to, I, I had enough seniority to finally get a good route, making good money, get a good vacation, and didn't have to be in January because I'm low on the seniority poll. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I finally got a good job or a good route, and then next thing you know, one of my top grocery stores closes on that route, and that money be gone. I remember that. It's so uncertain. But he says... I want to tell the rich people this because as long as we're poor, we have no problem being dependent on God. But the moment we start making some money, the moment we start getting a little bit of bank account going, we start to think in our minds, ah, I kind of did this myself, and you know, I'm, a, I'm my one man kind of thing. And we start to uh, not depend on God as much as we did when we were broke, busted, and disgusted. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying to you today? We, we get a little cocky when we can start making a little money. We start, you know, making 20000 a year, then all of a sudden we make 30000 a year, then you're making 40000 a year, then you're making 50, 60, 70, and you go up, up, up. The next thing you know, we're not so dependent on God. We don't pray as much over our money and, and all of this. He says, tell those that are rich, which is all of us, that God, remind them that God is their source. Number two, I want you to know that he says money is not evil. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor Ed? He says right here in verse 10. No, 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 look at it again. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not, not money. Money ain't evil. It's the love for money that is the root of all evil. Ecclesiastes says it like this. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. I can already, look at y'all hating on me, already wanting me to, st I did not write this book. Is that what your book says? God said this. If I am like, so I got to align myself with the word of God. What is money then? Money is a tool. It's a tool. It's like a tool in a tool belt. We want to hide, it's my tool belt. No, 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 it's a tool. Look, let me, let me give you this. Verse 17 through 19, he says, tell those that are rich. He said, tell them to share. Tell them to be full of good works. Tell them to use it for the good. If we would all, I remember being in Honduras, and I don't know why I'm saying so much about Honduras, because you don't have to go to Honduras to live and do a missions trip, by the way. Okay, you don't. But uh, I remember seeing a team of doctors and a team of dentists over there. And I was like, man, how, what are you guys doing over here? They said, man, we pay our own way over here. We use our own vacation time to do this. Because we want to go up in these little villages and help these little babies and help these people. And they do. They go up in the villages and they, they, they do dental work and they, do, they, they give of themselves. Why? Because they've learned that money is a tool and their education and their skill and everything we've got from God is a tool. And we can be used of God. Let me just tell you this. In America last year, we spent $70 billion, with a B on our pets. 
$70 billion we spent last year on our pets. Now, I'm not hating on pets. I got two of them. One, I'm trying to... Anyway, we got two. Listen, I, I love Ella. She's a, she's a, she keeps us praying, but I tell you, she's cute. We take, take care of your pets. If you're going to have a pet, you need to take care of them. That's not the point I'm making. Here's the point, though. We spent $70 billion on pets. That's the same amount as 39 of our poorest countries had on their total spending, their GDP, gross domestic product. I mean... Did you hear what I just said? 39 countries in the world, their total spending on what they bought, on what they, uh, services that were provided to them, their 39 countries, what their overall spending was combined, the United States spent that on pets alone. Just, just give you, they said that if we just took a percentage of that money that we spent on our pets, we would cure world hunger in five years. Not only give them food, but education to show them how to maintain their finances. I just want you to kind of see what we could do if our minds were in the right place with money. But we don't. We're like, ah, we've been lied to, church. We've been lied. I hope you don't believe everything you see on TV. I hope you don't believe everything that people stands up with a white coat and says they're from science or from this. I hope you, you don't believe everybody. Uh-huh. You gotta, we live in a day and age where you've got to fact check. You've got to do your due diligence. You've got to look at the word of God. Even when people up here preaching the word, you better say, hold up. What, what, is that by, what are you saying? Let me, let me look it up. Remember, I preached on that a while back. You've you got to learn. Because people, man, will just, just lie to you. And we've been lied about this uh, money thing. So what's up with our money? What's our problem? I think it's our, it's our mindsets. Let me tell you this. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were slaves. And, they came, and God miraculously brought them out. That's what the whole Old Testament is all about. The last thing he did for them is he said, I am going to cause Egypt to give you gold and silver and fine clothes. They're going to give you wealth. That was the last thing miracle that God did for the children of Israel. You know what they did? They did. They, they gave them gold. They were like, get out of here. Your God is destroying our crops. Your God is, is just, here, we'll pay you to get out of our life. You get so on fire for God, people will avoid you. you those that, those that, that are persecuting you and then making you feel wrong for just serving God. I'm telling you, you can get so on fire for God, man, people will just back away. Ooh, that's good stuff. But you know what they did with all that money, with all that gold? They built a golden calf and made it an idol. Why? Because they still had an Egyptian mindset. When I got saved, God broke the addiction off of my life. He brought the power. He broke the the strongholds of of drugs and alcohol on my life. But I tell you what, I still had to. I had to have my mind renewed. Mm. You can give somebody a million dollars. This has been a proven fact. I, I remember a millionaire did this years ago. He went to his hometown. It was the projects in New York, and he, he, uh, he bought a whole block in the projects and made beautiful homes out of it, and then he gave it to his people. He said, I want to give it back to my people, and it was, he had a good intentions. They brought back a camera and a TV crew just one year later. And these big, beautiful homes, I mean, they were new, everything. He had landscaping. It looked like you were coming into a gated community, and you were in the projects of New York. Six, I think it was six months to a year. I think, it, let's say a year, they went back. And all I know is they brought a TV crew back. They couldn't believe it. The place looked worse than it was in the beginning. Holes busted in the house, garbage in the front yard, animals running everywhere. The houses were totally destroyed. And, he looked, and they asked him, they said, what, what was your problem? He said, I dealt with the outside problem, but I didn't deal with the mindset problem. You can give a million dollars to somebody, but if your mind isn't renewed, you will make the biggest mistake of your life. There is a show on TV. It's called Broke People That Won the Lottery. You ever see that? It's a true story of what I just told you. Our problem isn't our lack of money. Our problem isn't lack of stuff. Our problem is having the right mindset that God wants us to have. Pastor Eddie, you're preaching so good today. I know. So let me ask you some questions. These points are going to be questions. I want to ask you these things. Do you have the mindset of comparing or evaluating? Are you a compare? We all compare ourselves, okay? So I had to kind of pray after I put this message together for myself. It's one of them. Comparing, 
Comparison is the robber of joy, Theodore Roosevelt said. In other words, you'll you be loving life and having a great day, and man, just loving everything. Washing that car and be all happy, then all of a sudden your neighbor pulls up and they got a brand new SUV. You're going to be like, what happened? It stole your joy. You know, we have a problem today with social media that really feeds into this thing. You know, average person spends three hours a day on social media. I can tell you to get your phones out right now. You got that new fancy thing you slide to the left and it tells you screen time. How much screen time have you had today? How much screen time did you have last night? I'm not getting on you because I got one. Follow me on Twitter, Pastor J. Eddie. Come on. <laughs> social media is, is a tool. But I'm, I'm, watch this. Watch this. We spend, <laughs> we spend five hours on our phones. I see three hours a day is five years and four months in a lifetime. Young people who spend five hours or more on our phones are twice as likely to show symptoms of depression, narcissistic traits, and low self-esteem behaviors. They connect to suicidal and depression. Narcissism and low self-esteem are connected to comparing ourselves constantly on social media. I'm trying, God. I'm just trying up here. I'm trying to help some people to overcome depression. I can anoint you with oil. I can shake you all over this room. I can throw a Bible and hit you right in the head. And it will make no difference in your life. People say, please get depressed. <laughs> people say, pray for me. I need to break this depression. I'm not minimizing depression. It's a real thing. Some people can simply be set free from it by simply swiping of the thumb. That's comparing ourselves. We're not, the Bible says you if we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise. Galatians tells us a servant of God will not be able to really serve the Lord as long as we compare ourselves. But let me tell you, there is something we're called to do, and that's evaluate ourselves. It's perfectly okay to evaluate yourself. You're always going to find somebody who's more spiritual, who's more blessed, who has a bigger home, who has a better car, who has better clothes, who is living more holy for God, who seems to be so anointed, that can sing so much better, that has better skills. You're always going to find somebody else out there who's better. Mike Tyson was our dog, man. He was our guy back in the day. Ain't nobody can beat Mike Tyson. He hit so hard. I hit him so hard. Right, LaDon, me and him used to rent all them fights. We used to get it on. I mean, I want Mike Tyson. Okay. Okay, you're my people. You know what I'm saying? So who's that? He was a boxer. He was a young dude. He come out of the Bronx. He has a very troubled past, but he, he can fight. And this dude was tearing. I mean, he would knock people out in the first round in seconds. Pow! It was over. I mean, you get your pizza, and you got fellas coming over like, yeah, turn the game on. The dude's laying out. You know, knock them out. It's over. You spend $60 on pay-per-view. Mad at Mike Tyson, but he was bad. True story. He fought this dude, an ex-football player who's not even a professional uh, fighter. And he said, man, I'll take Tyson out. Tyson was like, Pfft. Tyson, the fight was in China. Everyone said, the, the news said that he went out partying the night before, Tyson did, because he just thought he was just going to get step in the ring and move a couple, and pow, knock him down. That was with Tyson. He got in the ring and got his clock cleaned by this dude. Mouthpiece flying out. I mean, I remember what I'm talking about. Totally, totally had the wrong. He just was too cocky. He just totally got in there and thought that he was able to do, do something that he wasn't able to do. I don't have no idea why I told that Mike Tyson story. You got me all into Mike Tyson now. Mindsets. Exactly. Still don't know why I said Mike Tyson. Man, that was a good story too. He just thought he got too confident, too cocky in himself, and he forgot the basic fundamentals of, being, of training. Ugh, it'll come back. Yeah, that's what it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We get to the place where we think there's, you know, we're the best at anything, and the Bible forbids us to do that, to compare ourselves and to get cocky, but the Bible does tell us to evaluate ourselves, and here's the point. There's, uh, Mike Tyson found out there was somebody better than him. That was my whole point. I'm sorry I got carried away. You're always going to find out someone's better than you. But here's the thing. What you need to do is evaluate yourself and ask yourself this. Have you become more spiritual since you've be become a follower of Christ? Have you become more forgiving since you've been a follower of Christ? 
Have you become living more holy? Has your lifestyle changed since you've become a follower of Christ? Have you become more generous since you've been a follower of Christ? That's what you do. That's evaluating yourself. Now, Jesus gave us some, some uh, scriptures that we are to kind of look at ourselves and evaluate ourselves. And I want to give them to you real quick. These are, these are measurables. Everybody say measurables. He said, don't store up riches for yourselves here on earth where moths and rust destroy and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up riches for yourselves in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal. He's simply saying, evaluate yourself. Are you focusing all on this temporary world? And you may be very successful in this world. You might have made way more money last year. You may, you may really have come a long way. But Jesus said, how are you doing spiritually? Are you storing up? Tra- yeah, you're putting money in your 401k. Yeah, you're, you're doing this. You're doing some preparing. And, and that's good. You need to do that. But Jesus said, how is it spiritually? Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Do you know this life is so fast and goes by so quick? My dad's celebrating 71 years. It's amazing. I got my birthday next month. A lot of birthdays this time of year. How many's had a birthday, March or April? Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot. Life goes like this. Remember when you used to nine and ten years old? They'd say, How old are you? Ten and a half? You couldn't wait to be eleven. You couldn't wait. Now they say, How old are you? No one will ever say, 43 and a half. 49 and a half. You'd be like, How old are you? I ain't tell- we don't even sell it. Don't even put it on Facebook. You start getting older. You know what I'm talking about? But life goes so fast, man. And Jesus says, you're going to, when you take your last breath here, your first breath's going to be in eternity. There is a heaven waiting on us. Come on, somebody. There is a heaven where you're never going to get sick, never going to get old, never going to get sad, never going to experience this thing. The Bible says there'll be no sorrow, no death. He'll wipe away every tear. So Jesus, he, us, all he taught was about don't focus on so much on this life. Work a good job. Get married. Have kids. Enjoy life. Go on a vacation. But that's not all that there is. Store up churches in heaven. How do you do that? Every dime you give to help further the gospel of Jesus Christ, every good deed you do to help further the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Even handing somebody a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, Jesus said, you will receive a reward. Anything and everything we do to help build a building, to help every dime you give, you and I receive a reward in heaven. That's Corinthians chapter 5. That's the whole New Testament. Like that one guy said that there's an old joke that says the guy got up in heaven and Peter took him around and he started showing him all these mansions and all this beautiful home. He was like, oh, who got that? Oh, this guy you'll never know. He wasn't real famous, but he was a faithful servant of God. And he gave and he volunteered and he was a great, that's his place. He's going down the road. He goes, that must be Billy Graham. Yeah, that's Billy Graham's place. And he goes, where's mine? And the guy goes, right here. And it was just a little pile of wood. And he goes, how come I don't have all that? He said, that's all the material that you sent up from earth. Think about it. Think about it. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you what the Bible teaches us. To give. Not to just give, but to give in the name of the Lord. There's a lot of charities that do a lot of good things. But what separates charities from doing the work of the Lord is you do it in the name of Jesus. We hand out bottled waters for the strawberry festival. There's a lot of people that do that. We do it as a church representing Christ. And say, hey, man, we do this in the name of Jesus. Letting you know Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Now, I'm not going to tell you this because I want you to think I'm so perfect because I'm not. Ask my wife. I bought a lunch for a homeless guy in in Tim Hortons uh, a little while back. Okay? Now, see, I just got my reward by impressing you. That's why I hate telling you that stuff. Because the Bible says when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand gives. Because your father sees you giving. And that means if you give and... When no one is looking, those kinds of giving, those kinds of deeds, God sees it and he rewards you openly. Jesus said, when you give, don't shout a trumpet. Don't blow a trumpet like the Pharisee. The Pharisees would go, I'm about to give this money to this poor person right here. Catch it on video, please. Selfie. Hashtag help them out. Jesus says, you got your own reward by all the little likes and people going, oh, aren't they so generous? Jesus said, that's all the reward you're going to get. 
But if you learn to do your good deeds when no one's looking, God sees you in heaven and he rewards you for doing that. I bought this guy some food and I said, hey, man. He said, thank you. He was hungry. I said, God loves you and has a plan for you. That's why we give these little cards that are on the back table. Go get one. Hand them out to people when you do a good deed. On the back has Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a scripture verse. Amen. Then he says this. These are measurable statements to evaluate ourselves. He says, for where your heart is, there's where your money's going to be. Where your heart is. How do I know where my heart is, Pastor Eddie? Because I'm in church. I, I read my Bible. Jesus said it's really not how much you underline in your Bible. It doesn't matter how many Bibles you had. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. What really determines where your heart really is is how your spending is going to be. Ooh. And you know what I noticed? I remember when I got saved, man, I used to give way more than what I gave to church now to things that destroyed me. Am I the only one that partied? I would party with my money, your money, my neighbor's money, and everybody else's money when it was back at I would spend a lot of money out if I had it. I tried to quit smoking one time, so I didn't buy cigarettes. I remember I went out with the guys. I was bumming cigarettes off everybody. They said, Eddie, I thought you quit. I said, I did too. He said, please quit. It's cheaper for both of us. <laughs> Again, I had no power to quit anything. But when I gave my life to Jesus, how I many you know them shackles came off? Man, I was able to break any habit. I'm telling you, you can break any habit right now. And if you just get God involved in your life, man, you, you are a new creation. You'll break anything that tries to pull you down. I'm telling you. I wouldn't be here if it ain't real. I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. But my money changed. And I, you know, instead of buying all that foolish things that destroyed my life, I gave way more than 10% or 12% or over things that begin to support the ministry. Support missionaries. That's what he's saying. All your money don't need to go to that, but you should see a change in your finances. Come on, help me now. That's what he said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Look, the next one he says, because money always follows your heart. I can spend five minutes with you and tell you what your passion is. Maybe about an hour, and I'll find out what your passion is. I can look through your checkbook and find out what your passion is in five minutes. A missionary said that years ago, and I never forgot that. I was like, oof. You know, God don't want all your money. In fact, he doesn't want any of your... Listen to pastor. Don't give a dime to God. Ain't no church to tell you that. And that's how real I am. One thing God wants, he wants your heart. That's it. You take everything else up with God, what I'm telling you. Then he says this, no servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a slave will hate one master and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Cannot serve God and money. In other words, he says, you will either control your money or your money will control you. Money is supposed to be a tool. Okay, that's comparison or, or that second point entitled or entrusted do you have an entrusted mindset or an entitlement mindset i had an entitlement mindset for many years and how do you create an entitlement mindset by giving to an unthankful person parents woe to the parents who gives everything their kid asks for without teaching them stewardship if a person when we are unthankful the worst thing you can do is give me something if I'm not being thankful over what I already have, you create an entitlement mentality when you give that. The opposite of an entitlement person is a generous person. The opposite of an entitled person is a generous person. That's how you create an entitlement mindset. And we have got it in our minds so much. I've worked hard. I went to school. I, did, I paid my dues. I deserve everything I have. I know, I know that's what we've been taught. But I want to tell you something. If your mind is really the mind of Christ, according to the Bible, you realize that you don't own anything. That everything you have, including the breath in our body, is a gift from God himself. Everybody take a deep breath. Breathe it out. God says, you're welcome. Seriously. Everything we have is not given to us by luck or chance. Listen, everything we have, this is the right way of thinking. The right way, right way of thinking is saying everything I have 
is because of God's grace and favor. God had me, I spent the night in prayer. I told you guys this. I do this as, as a pastor. I do it more and more. And I did it right before the year to get a, to get a better prayer uh, of what God wants to do this year in our church. And there's so many things he's doing. God gave me this word, and I told it to you. It's the word entrusted. He gave me this word entrusted. Yeah, that was my response. I went and looked it up in the Bible. And, man, I was blown away. It's all over the Bible. Paul said, I've been entrusted with the gospel. Jesus told parables about giving talents to people. And he said that it is like a owner of talents gives his talents to people. And he, gave, he, he said, one, he gave five talents. One, he gave three talents. One, he gave one talent. And he said he left for a long time and said, I'll be back. You can read this in Matthew 25, I believe, or 23. He said, I'll be back. And when he came back, he said, what did you do with the five I gave you? What did you do with the three I gave you? What did you do with the one thing I gave you? And your Bible says, the five said, Jesus, I've, I've went and used the five you've given me, and I've made ten out of it. The one said, you've given me three, and I've given you three others. Here's six. But your Bible says the one that only had one, the least talented person, went and hid it in the ground and said, this is mine. Mine! <laughs> I don't want to get all crazy. And I'm just going to keep it until... <laughs> I'm just going to keep it. This, this is what your Bible says. This is what Jesus taught. The least talented one that couldn't do all this stuff only had one. Man, help me. This is powerful. God came back and said, where is the one thing I gave you? He said, here it is. And he pulled it out of the dirt and said, just like you gave me. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. At least you could have put it with the bankers and it would have gained interest. But now what I have given you, take it from the least talented person and give it to the one that doubled it. And take him out of my presence. Jesus taught that. He said, so will it be with you who has received grace and forgiveness and love every single day of your life, but we, instead of using what God's given us, we sit back and say, God, is that all you're going to give me? I got this wrong with me. I got this. This ain't happening in my life. I'm trying to help somebody today to say, hey, we need the right mind to say, God, I'm thankful for anything that you've given me, anything that you've given me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it at all. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use what you've given me. If I can sing, I'm going to sing the gospel. If I can preach, I'm going to, if I can talk and inspire people, if I can motivate people with my gifts, then I'm not going to do it to make money. And I'm not going to do it for all of this to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever I can do, I'm going to do it to further your gospel. If I can build, we got RV volunteers, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're retired carpenters, and they travel the country in RVs helping churches build buildings. They could be in Florida sipping on something and looking at the beach, and they do that sometimes too, And which is another thing. I've learned that when you put God first, he'll reward you with times like that. He'll reward you. You'll have a vacation that it has so much more peace. Sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation. How many know what I'm talking about? But I've learned that God can bless you, man, in every area of our life. The only thing that we do own, there's one thing that you do own that's yours. You hear this? This is good. This is what God told me that night. The only thing you do own, and I looked up the word entrusted. The only thing you own is the responsibility of what he's given you. You know what? And I said, wow, that's good, God. I was laying in my bed. I was laying on the floor. It was about 3 in the morning. The candles were burning. One almost caught on fire. I almost burnt this prayer cabin down that they let me stay in for free. It was a, that would have been an awful night. True story. Wax. I got up. It was all. And I'm laying there, and I said, hey, Siri, what does the word entrusted mean? She said, Beep. to assign responsibility. And I said, there it is. And then now flip it around. Everything God has given us, we don't own it, but we do own the responsibility. That's what he said to those people. What did you do with what I gave you? Mm -hmm. And then I want you to know that involves every area of your life. My wife, I don't own her. She'll tell you that. <laughs> but I am responsible for our marriage. Yeah. 
I'm responsible to love her, protect her, as the Bible tells me as a man, to protect her, to provide for her. Now, she can protect her own self. I can tell you some stories. <laughs> but she's my, I don't own her. She's God's. She's my responsibility. I don't own my kids. I'm responsible, though. I got daughters, so I'm the man in their life until one comes along. <laughs> when I provide the ceremony, what, what happens when I do? I walk them down the aisle. The father walks the daughter down, puts the daughter's hand into his hand. What's he saying? He's officially given her away. He's responsible. Everything you have in life, you don't own, but you own the responsibility. Yes. That is an entrusted mindset. Your time today, you could have done anything with it. You chose to come to the house of God. Some didn't. All over the world, whatever. And if you're on vacation, you, don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get you into this legalistic thing. But I'm telling you, you choose your time, talent, and treasure. Treasure. You're responsible for it. When you stand before God, you're not going to give an account if you were married or not. You're going to give an account for what you did with your marriage, what you did with your finances, what you did with your kids. You're going to give an account for that. And those that chose to, to put God first in their life, and to make those decisions, we'll receive a reward. That's Bible. Yeah. Lastly, I want to ask you, man, that was good. Anybody get something out of that? Yeah. That's good stuff. He gets it to us, but he wants to get it through us. And, and as I said, you know what? He will. I said this. Uh, this is good. This is, you need, when you get an entrusted mindset, what, why the guy buried the talent? Because he thought that's the only thing he was ever going to get. The other guys that went and did something with it, they knew that if God gave them five, he can give them five more. Right. If you've got an entrusted mindset, you know that the money that you have, you're going to get more. When you go to eat, I tell you what, this was a life-changing when I got this mindset in my food. If I got a bad meal, it would ruin my month. And my wife, she still says, Eddie, it's not the last supper. <laughs> it's not the last meal you're ever going to eat. Some of us get our meal and it's not right. We get mad. Listen, we are all, this is what I mean by us being rich. I'll say it again. You, everybody here is rich. Yes. You drove in a car here today. You're wearing clothes. I think all of you are. If you're not, please leave the room real quick. <laughs> well, you're wearing clothes. I'm just being serious. You are going to go to a restaurant today. Many of you are. You want to start a war in your car? Say this. Where do you want to go? <laughs> it's the biggest thing, man. But you will go. Listen, you're going to go to a restaurant either today or this week, or you went last night, and you're going to pay somebody to cook your food. You're going to pay somebody to bring it to your table. You're going to pay somebody to take your dirty dishes and put them back in the back while you complain and maybe give a little bit of a tip if you liked it. You're going to pay somebody to wash those dishes. Then you're going to, you're going to get up, and you're going to leave and get into a nice automobile, and you're going to drive to a house or an apartment or something that you have. You're going to kick off your shoes, and you're going to sit back and get on your phone, and you're going to do whatever. You're going to relax for the rest of the day. Let me tell you, you are rich. Yes. Yes. That's true. And if you, an if you have an entitlement mindset, everything I said was like you are a nine everywhere you went. You better be good for this. Better be the best. Not, you need to ex go to a good places to eat. I've been burnt. It doesn't make you happy. I'm not saying you're supposed to rejoice when your $13 dinner is garbage. Okay, you're not going. Thank you for this, you know, leather steak. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but if you've got an, because I've had that happen recently. But if you get a bad food, if you really, you realize you're going to get more. And you realize that, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to help support your kingdom. If you're able, if you're able to give me this, I'm going to give you. I know you can give me more. Yes. Am I helping anybody with this? Yes. Lastly, do you, are you, when it comes to giving, do you give relationally or religiously? Let me tell you this. Some people give only because the Bible says to give. Yes. Pastor Eddie says to give, so I give. Okay, I understand. You may, at first, I remember learning about giving, and so I gave, and there wasn't a lot of aim feelings in it, but it helped me to develop a pattern. And then after a while, my heart began to get into it. Yeah. That's what I mean by relationship. And I think it's because sometimes you're not going to feel like giving. You're not even going to, let's, let's not talk about money. Let's that, keep that same logic and step over here. You're not going to feel like forgiving somebody. But you know the Bible says, unless you forgive, you won't be forgiven. So therefore, you do it. So you learn to not do things on emotion. Yes. You do things through emotion. Yes. Yes. 
whether or not I'm going to forgive you because God says to do it. And I want to smack you upside the head right now, but God said to forgive you. And God, I'm praying you work on me. And I'm seriously going to forgive you in Jesus' name. You may begin like that. And I'm not going to say that's wrong. I'm going to say you're in the right direction. But I tell you, if you keep doing that, you will get to the place where you will say, man, I know what you did was wrong, but I have come to the place to know that uh, I'm going to give you right over to God. I'm going to say, God, you handle this situation. You handle this person. He did me wrong. She did me wrong. You know they did. I caught them talking about me. I taught them saying it, but I'm going to give them to you, God. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to release them. And every time you do that, you going to come up a little bit higher. You're going to say, I forgive them. You're going to come up a little bit higher. But they hurt me. I know they hurt you. But let them go. You're going to go up a little bit higher. Come on, somebody. Somebody needed to hear that one. Okay, I don't have time to read Deuteronomy 6, but you read it home when you get home. Worship team, won't you come? Let's close out. Let me just tell you this. Deuteronomy 6, you do need to read it later because he says this. God says there's going to come a day when your kids ask you why you give. They're going to ask you, why do you go to church? Why do you keep the commandments? Why do you live for God? God said, your kids are going to ask you that one day. And I want you to tell them. You tell them that the reason why you live for me, the reason why you give, the reason why you do this is because you were slaves in Egypt and I brought you out of slavery. And I forgave you. And I blessed you. And I set you free. And I gave you these instructions. If you live by what the Bible says, you'll have a better life and you'll have an eternity in heaven. You tell your kids that. What is he saying? He says, you go ahead and give because God says to give. But let me challenge you, River of Life. Get to the place that you want to serve and you want to give. And whatever you do for God, you do it because God has been so good to you. You know, I've learned when people cook food, I don't know why I talk about food so much. Food and football. Please, somebody help me. I've learned that sometimes I've started helping and cooking dinner now. (laughs) You do not want to come to my house and eat my cooking. But you know what I do? I get the cookbook out. Melinda's got some Pinterest in here. So I've been married. I've been married 26 years this year, y'all. 27. Get me out of this service, Lord. Just so you gotta learn to adjust. She ain't the same 16, 17-year-old girl. I'm not 20 years old. We got married. That's how young we were. We've changed. <laughs> and you gotta learn to grow together as a couple, or you're gonna grow. You hear somebody say, I've grown apart because y'all didn't grow together. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! So I'm cooking them once a little every now and then, but I follow the destructions. I mean half a teaspoon of cumin. Buddy, I put a, I measure it and I, it's a half a teaspoon. It takes me three hours to cook and make a sandwich, but I make it. But I can tell you what I've seen people, my wife can go in there and man, whip up a dinner and it's like, I'm like, woohoo, Betty Crocker is, I'm married to Betty Crocker, baby. I mean, she can just make it. I mean, know what? There's some people that can cook and there's some people that can cook. You know what I'm talking about. And I've noticed Melinda won't even look at a half a teaspoon. She'll just. She'll throw it in there. She knows that that feels right. That's in there. Shh, 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 find yourself being And next thing you know, it comes out and it tastes so good. Let me say, get that way with your giving and your serving. God says he wants you to do this, so you only do this. And only when there's a problem. Or only, God says, get to the place when you just have a passion to serve. you got a passion to see that building. you got a passion to live for God. I'm going to do it, not exactly every time, but I'm going to do it whenever you need me. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do it. You want me to sing, I'll sing. You want me to vacuum, I'll vacuum. You want me to mow the parking, the grass or whatever, I'll do it. Why? Because you forgave me of my sins. You gave me heaven that I got coming. And you're going to get me through this crazy, messed up world. Stand with me today. That's close. That's what he says in Deuteronomy. That's why you do what I do. It's not for the, the crowd. It's not for any other reasons because because you love me. And you know why my wife can cook that way? You know why people that can cook that way? They got a passion for cooking. Again, back in Honduras, I was watching the mamas make those tortillas. They don't have a measuring cup in sight. They can make it taste so good too. Why? They got a passion. They know exactly what to do. They may not have exactly a half a cup. You know what I'm saying? It's the same way with, you have a relationship with God, not a religion. 
I'm not a religious person. I don't even know what that is. I know what that is. And I, I've met religious people and I don't like them. They're weird. But people that got a relationship with Jesus, man, I've seen them go through some things. And man, they come out not even smelling like smoke from the fire they came through. I've seen them just do things like I can't even understand. They got peace. And they're not perfect, but man, they got a blessing of God on their home and on their family. What is it? It's they got a relationship with God. That's what it is, baby. That's what it is. That's what it is. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Let me bless you in this place today. Father, I thank you for your word that you have entrusted to us. Help us as a church, as a, as a people, if they're listening to this podcast or however, God, we would break mindsets. Don't follow the mold of the world. Break that mold, God. Realize you are our source. You've provided for us this long. You're going to take care of us the way through. Jesus name now if your heads bowed and your eyes closed just listen to my voice if you're here today and say Pastor Eddie I want you to pray for me I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I want you to pray for me I want you to lift your hand up right where you are in your seat pray for me today I need Jesus in my heart come on if you've never done that if you need him today I want to pray for you today amen amen I see those hands see that hand amen thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord I'm going to ask uh, my altar team, altar workers to come up here, altar team. You guys know who you are. Come on up here like this. If you need something, you, if you go up, you can put your hands down. If you say, Pastor Eddie, I'm going through something this week, and man, I need some prayer. I need you to pray for me. I want you to lift your hand if, that, if you got something going through. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. This is what I'm going to do. If you lifted your hand on any one of those things, I want you to come out of your seat. I want you to come up. One more song with you. We got prayer teams here that's going to pray with you. So come on up. Rest of you, we're going to worship one more song. And then I'm going to dismiss everybody else. If you got to leave, please leave quietly. But we're going to do one more song. If you need prayer, if you lifted your hand for any of them, come on down. And find somebody. We got prayer teams here that are praying for them. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.